let's turn to our scripture for today. We'll be hanging out in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, and buckle up. There are a host of selected verses, but hopefully a narrative that you have heard before. Beginning at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples. So he left Judea to go once more to Galilee. But then he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by this well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so they came out of town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to preach this morning on the theme, What's Next? Finding Our Samaria. What's Next, finding our Samaria. You know, church, in a few months, I will have lived in the great state of Indiana for five years. Five years. And I think that what this means, Jan, is that while I did not grow up here, soon I can say with confidence that I am a Hoosier. Because after five years, I have discovered the key components of legitimate Hoosier credibility. Number one is obvious, uh, of course, it's corn. You see, I found that when I'm in conversation with the Hoosier and things start to have a bit of a lull or seem disconnected, if I mention corn, not just any corn, but Indiana corn, there, there's a light that comes into their eyes. The, the shoulders start to relax. A smile comes across their face and this shared bond of humility is built. You see, I have discovered that Hoosier credibility is all about Indiana corn. But there is another element to real Hoosier credibility and that is football. Now, you have been my mentors in this. I have learned a lot more about the game since I came to Noblesville first. And I want you to know that because of your mentorship, 
I have already ordered my double espresso pods for the Super Bowl so that I don't fall asleep. I I will review the highlights uh, in the weeks after the game so that I can engage in meaningful conversation with you about the horrible calls that the refs will make, about that inappropriate halftime show. I haven't seen it, but that's what everybody says. And I will talk about the the concussion protocols for the game, right? You, You can tell that that's real Hoosier football talk. But there's just one last thing. One last thing that I'm afraid will keep my Hoosier credibility in jeopardy. And that is roundabouts. (laughs) I I, I know that they're not all over Indiana, but they are all over Hamilton County. And it's hard enough just trying to get to my destination and drive in a straight line only to reach circular racetracks every couple of miles. Things have gotten so bad that when my husband calls me uh, with a need for directions, he listens, he nods, and then he does exactly the opposite of what I told him to do. Because you see, I, I have not mastered the roundabouts and how to get around this great state of Indiana. But I'll tell you, I feel a little less ashamed this morning because when we read our scripture, it seems that Jesus struggles with a sense of direction too. Our text says that Jesus is on his way to Galilee after spending several days preaching, teaching, and baptizing new disciples. But then as he makes his way there, it says that he must go through Samaria. Now, even someone with highly questionable directional skills like me can look at a map of the ancient Near East and see that to get to Galilee, there are two direct routes. There's one along the Mediterranean Sea, and there's one along the Jordan River. And Sychar, this village where Jesus stopped, was all the way in the middle of Samaria. It was days out of the way. It was off the beaten path, and it was not the most direct route to his destination. Now, maybe... One explanation for this detour is roundabouts. That's my excuse every time I get lost here. But you see, unlike me, Jesus was this real resident of Israel. He knew these roads like the back of his hand. He traveled up and down them countless times. He was not confused or unsure of how to get where he wanted to go. No, this village was off the beaten path and completely out of the way, but Jesus made an intentional choice to go in that direction. And I think that that's a mighty word for us today as we consider the final message in our What's Next series. We spent the last several weeks exploring why and who is next in our ministry. And we've learned that children and the next generation are of the highest priority to Jesus. And they should be of the highest priority to us. We've learned that sometimes in order to get where God is calling us to go, we'll have to try a new method. We may even have to stop doing something in order to start doing something more fruitful. But here, in this text, we learn that what's next will require us to go out of the way. 
Jesus could have chosen the straight shot to Galilee. He could have taken the expressway, the path of least resistance, but he didn't. And I believe that Jesus blazed that trail that was out of the way so that we might too. Because the truth is, we are always looking for the easy way out. The straight shot and the path of least resistance. We download apps, we we turn on GPSs so that we can get where we're going in the fastest way with the least obstacles or challenges. But Jesus, Jesus makes a deliberate choice to go out of the way, to reroute himself just to reach this remote village in Samaria. And this is a lesson for us today because going to our Samaria, the place where we have been called, the place where we must go, will never be easy. And yet Jesus goes there so that we might follow in his footsteps, so that we might discover that place, that people, that community that we must be in relationship with. And this concept, it isn't new to our congregation. We've seen this in our mission ministries in the past, and we will see them in our mission ministries in the future. You see, when Ruth Teeter bequeathed her her land to our congregation, the easy way or the path of least resistance would have been to maintain it as it was, a beautiful piece of property suitable for camping or the occasional church picnic. After all, it's not close to our church. It's, It's out of the way and requires us to go off the beaten path. Yet where some saw an inconvenience, others saw Samaria. They saw a place that may not have been easy to get to, but could be a place that made life easier for others. They saw a place that may have been out of the way, but could help people find their way to Jesus. They saw a place that wasn't easy to develop, to work, to grow, but a place that we must be in mission. They saw Samaria. And now, several years later, Teeter Organic Farm and Retreat is no longer just a field, but a mission field. Because our congregation was willing to go out of the ways. Today, Teeter produces 25,000 servings of food for people in need in our community. We found the Samaria that God was calling us to then. But what about the Samaria that God is calling us to now? Where is that place? Who are those people? And how will we know when we've arrived? I believe that our text gives us three answers to those questions. And the first is that Samaria is the place where our gifts and the needs of the community align. You see, when Jesus arrives in this village in Samaria, he requests some water from a woman. Water carrying and distribution was the work of women in the ancient Near East. And when Jesus approaches her, she has something that he needs. And in the same vein, Jesus indicates that he possesses living water. 
A source of refreshing spiritual strength that will never dry up. And so she has something to offer him. And Jesus has something even greater to offer her in return. And this is significant for us today. Because for centuries, it was taught that mission in the church was a one-way street. That Christians had the gospel and our material resources, and that we were sent out to give them to poor, unfortunate souls who had nothing to offer us in return. Yet Jesus challenges that narrative in our text today, showing us that our Samaria is not a place where we bring what we have to offer to people who have nothing in return. But Samaria is a place where we gather for mutual and shared transformation. And if you're wondering what this looks like, then join me and other members of our church when we travel to Guatemala in October. Now, I have no doubt that we will take many donations. We will pack our suitcases uh, for the clinic that operates and serves uh, Guatemalans in the community. We will pack our suitcases with supplies for the nutritional programs that feed children and families or the housing initiatives that put roofs over the heads of indigenous Guatemalans. We will take all of these gifts and resources, but ask anyone that has ever been on a global mission trip and they will tell you that you will always return with more than you ever gave. We will return with the joy of new mutual relationships with God's people. We will return with the wisdom of of learning a new culture and a new country. We will return with the grace of seeing God's sovereign power at work in the world. We are not going there to save people that are incapable or incompetent but to serve alongside people in our Samaria. People who will offer us gifts and who we will in turn give to. An indigenous activist, Lila Watson, said it best when a group of missionaries arrived in her native Australia. She said to them, if you have come to help me, then you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up in mine, then let us work together. We will go to our Samaria, this mission that we must do in Guatemala, as we work together with the people that God has called us to transform and the people that God has called to transform us. Now, that's the first way that we know that we've reached our Samaria. But here's another. We know that we've gotten there when our presence pulls down barriers that keep the church and the community apart. Now, in Jesus' time, there was this great cultural and religious chasm between Jews and Samaritans. A centuries-old feud on worship practices had created a great distance between these groups of people. Their animosity and their prejudice towards one another was so deep-rooted that people not only avoided Samaria because it wasn't geographically direct, 
but because it was culturally taboo. Jews did not associate with Samaritans and Samaritans did not associate with Jews. And so when Jesus asks the Samaritan woman for a drink of water, she is shocked. She wonders, how can this Jewish man ask me, a Samaritan woman, for anything? And when the disciples return to the scene and they see Jesus conversing with this woman, they are dumbfounded as they know that Jesus wanted them to go out of the way to Samaria. But being in conversation with a Samaritan woman, well, that's a bridge too far. But perhaps that's exactly the route that Jesus is calling us to take today. Because Samaria is not just a place that may be geographically distant, but culturally distant. And we know that we've reached our Samaria when it causes us to cross cultural boundaries to push through barriers that keep us separated from one another. And so what's next for our congregation is to go to our Samaria. And get this, you won't even have to pack. You see, right across the street is an apartment building with dozens and dozens of neighbors that we don't know. Neighbors with children, neighbors with needs, Neighbors with ministry gifts, neighbors that we should be in relationship with. But the truth is, in order to be in relationship with our neighbors across the street, we'd have to be willing to go to Samaria. We'd have to cross potential economic, social, or ethnic boundaries that keep us separated from one another. We would have to create a shared space where these barriers can be broken down by real and authentic relationship. And so what's next for Noblesville First is launching a music and arts academy for children in our community, particularly for children across the street. We will utilize the musically talented people in our congregation, no pressure, directly looking at all of you, as well as you. We will call on the many educators in our community of faith. I think that's about 95% of our membership. And we will use the gifts of our classrooms, our, our stage, and our sanctuary. Now, this Music and Arts Academy, it won't just teach children uh, how to play instruments or put on community performances, but like Jesus did at the well in Samaria, we will create a space where we break down the barriers that keep us separated from our neighbors. And together, we will build a community where we discover and share our different rhythms of life our faith, and our culture. Now, I want you to know that God gave me this vision when I was talking to a resident of those apartments several months ago. And I find it hilarious because God did not give me any musical talent to go with it. But you see, I actually think that this is connected to the final way that we know we've reached our Samaria. We know that we've made it there when we've empowered other people to complete the mission. Let's go back to the text in John. Jesus 
goes out of his way to get to Samaria. He breaks down these cultural barriers by building a relationship with a Samaritan woman. And after this encounter, this Samaritan woman goes back to her village and tells everybody that she knows that she has met the Messiah. And the text says that many of them believed in him because of her. You see, Jesus may have begun the work at the well, but the woman, she completed it as a witness. And we know that we have reached our Samaria when the mission starts with us, but ends with the people leading. We know that we've reached our Samaria when we'll leave Guatemala and the indigenous people that we have built foundations of homes will continue to build on them together. We know that we've reached our Samaria when the children that we've taught music and arts to become adults who invest in the lives of other children because someone once invested in them here. We know that we've reached our Samaria when the mission that we must do becomes the mission that the community must do with us. And so what does this mean for us today? It means we we haven't quite reached our Samaria yet. But if we're willing to go out of the way, if we're courageous enough to face and break down cultural barriers, and if we're willing to empower other people to lead, We will get there. It means that we know who's next, where's next, and what's next. And if we follow in Jesus' footsteps, we will reach our Samaria.